This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is The Exorcist 3. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Latest Movie Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the chrome dome, lone shark bone, sleep ass home, sweat hog himself, Justin Waddell. How's it going? I mean, it's good. We're, we're here together yeah. in person. Yes. Brownwall Studios. That's right. It's where the magic happens. It's like your bedroom. I didn't know this before, but you have Brownwall signage mm-hmm. in here. A lit up sign, a special ordered, I guess, huh? Yeah, they did. Actually, this was at Hobby Lobby, just like that. <laughs> How did you get this? Like, what was the. I bought it on a website? Off of Amazon. Heard of it? And they custom do signs? It's not Amazon, but it's some company over in Asia that does it, and they kick ass. You put a picture on the socials of this? I don't know. should. By the way, we still are part of a very exclusive club. What's what's that? The More Episodes Than Followers Club. (laughs) Well, way more. Look, was this our fourth year doing this? 2019. They said in the fifth year, expect a huge uptick in listeners. What do you think? You probably misheard. I think a penetrative insect is going to latch onto our skin. I'm just saying that pretty soon I think we can expect to be one of the most popular Zoom-in podcasts ever. Don't you think? We're in the top five podcasts called The Movie Microscope right now. (laughs) By the way, saw a movie today besides Exorcist 3. It's not. It doesn't count. It's cartoon. It's not a movie. It's called Blue Giant. It's from Japan. It's about a jazz band. Pretty good. I recommend it. Has a two-day release, uh, then it's gone. But it was good. Justin's just keeping his nerd cred up and running. That's right. Have you seen anything lately? No, not since the last episode. Did you finish Ahsoka? I did. How'd it end? It ended okay. Yeah. It's all right. Billions is almost over, and it's pretty good. And I did work for the listeners by investigating both the Schrader and Rennie Harlan versions. Investigating? What do you mean? Watching the majority of them. And it forced me to reconsider so that Octubular will run into Novembular. (laughs) So we're going to watch both? Yeah. Are they super different from each other? They are. They're different enough to justify it. Those two episodes will be bland. Are they scary? Come on. (laughs) 
that's one thing I remembered on the way over to your house is how much these movies used to scare me. The Exorcist and The Omen and The Omen 2. I used to get absolutely petrified of those films. What about The Final Countdown? He means conflict. What? What's that? <laughs> What about the, the, battleship? Final, the final countdown? He means conflict. Is that the battleship one or the... Is it the... That's the Omen 3 with Sam Neill. The final countdown. Conflict. Wasn't there a movie called The Final Countdown? Probably. I never saw that one. Was it a TV movie? It was about a... There was a boat. <laughs> there was a boat. Was there a... <laughs> was there a boat in an Omen movie? No, there was a boat in the f- TV... Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine <laughs> the pitch? Look. Imagine the Omen... On a boat. It's Damien at sea. Damien. Damien, is that a name that you hear very much? Damien? Yeah. Damien Lewis in Billions. That's true. Damien Miller, catcher for the Diamondbacks in the 90s. Also true. The Omen at sea. <laughs> at one point, he possesses a porpoise. <laughs> a possesses. I'm starting to warm up to this idea. <laughs> yeah, me too, has there, actually. Has there been a lot of... Uh, you know, I was thinking this. Has there been a lot of exorcism movies? Too many. Any good ones? You like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, don't you? I do like that movie. with, But I kind of like it just because of... Uh, Jay Carp. Jennifer Carpenter's You also... The, the one with uh, our boy, The Last Exorcism with Fabian. Patrick Fabian and I realized the other day that, um, that that had a sequel. And I think well, you and I went and saw it together. There's no... <laughs> There's no way we saw a I, sequel. I think we went and saw that sequel together. The Last Exorcism. <laughs> the Last Exorcism 2. I liken those years, the movie website years, to how somebody who comes out of Scientology must feel looking back at it. <laughs> Some of the things that we did and saw and were willing to discuss and interview. The actress in that movie was good, too, the, the, the possessed in that movie, and she was the star of the sequel. Which is the one where the freckle-faced kid kind of blew out of? Was that The Last Exorcism? What are you talking about? Banshee. Banshee. Oh, it might have, he might have been in the first one. I don't what, know. What's that actor's name? He's great. In, he makes it. What movie is it that he totally makes? American Made. He totally makes it. Oh, he's in, it's that kid? Yeah. He's actually, what is his name? Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. He is red-haired, almost like the kid from the Forever Young music video. Who is in Exorcist... You realize during we were watching it, is in Exorcist 3. Yeah, which is a horrible trauma revisited from my youth, actually. Yeah, they tried out a little kid for... um, to put him in jeopardy for just a scene, and Nick recognized him from a Rod Stewart video. <laughs> so that's the kid. I go, I don't think the timeline's lined up. I poo-pooed his, his catch. He, I was wrong. <laughs> the timeline's did line up. But in his defense, and on brand, Justin, who knew that eight-year-old was dating? <laughs> well, you, you He's br- like, he's with Anna Chlumsky, right? I mean. You brought up a picture of uh, him lately, right? Or mm-hmm. sort of recent. Yeah. Still killing it. He's out there. His signature red hair has faded. Was it now just a... Dirty. How old do you think of that man is now? I would say he he's probably in his 30s. Late 30s, maybe? What a badass. He was rubbing elbows with George C. Scott. I wonder if they'd become besties, you know? Yeah. Well... Became. Yeah, George is anyway. sadly gone. Yeah, but I, I was like, is this his last movie? It wasn't. He acted for quite a while after this. Yeah. And he delivers... A pretty good performance in this, I will say. First of all, don't bury the lead. Yes. Actor in this movie. So anything else interesting going on? Anything interesting? No, I like I went to concert last week. Um, what girl band? Saw the, 
So run the jewels. Oh. So our friend Gray Witten. Yeah, there's a lot of people that were friend, a lot Andy, of people were posting Andy pictures and from there. My friend, my nephew went with me. He's a big hip hop fan. I like those guys, but I don't know them too well. Yeah, I just was along for the ride. Like I said last, ep- I think last episode we redid, refaced our porch. Our gigantic. We have a big porch mm-hmm. in the back of our house, and it was in disrepair. So humble brag. What about you? How about yourself? You you can travel soon, huh? I also saw Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I rewatched the Fifty Shades movies. <laughs> no, uh, what if you did though? What if you did? Re-watch I have them? to admit, I have a soft spot, and there's a, when I think of those movies, I, there's a there's a warm feeling that comes over me. And it was I'm not, not the director's attempt, and attempt I'm for not you to have a soft spot. I have a super soft spot for that. I don't have a hard spot for it. I did enjoy the first one for sure. I just think, and I, like you know, I'm a huge fan of Dakota. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's one of Lou Diamond's best. But those <laughs> movies hit the repeat button, bro. It got exactly. repetitive. Play that same violin string over and over again. Oz has joined the party. Thank you. Anyway, that reminds me that I, at the theater today, they played a ton of trailers, and they played a trailer for the Hunger Games prequel. So bad. Super necessary. We need it. I think it centers on D. Sutherland's character. It does. And his climb to... Villainry? Is that right? Is he a villain? <laughs> he is the bad guy in the... Uh, the only reason I want that film to be successful right. is because they said if it is, they're going to greenlight Young Clute with that same actor. He was Clute. That movie inexplicably named after him, and it's all about Jane Fonda, but they named it Clute. And the funny thing was... I was reading the trivia. I, I go back and learn a lot about that movie. That movie's name was derived. He was playing a game with his daughter. <laughs> she was sick, home from school. He goes, flute, flute, bow boot, banana, fana, flute. Whoa. And then he abandoned his daughter and scribbled the script down. I like this. Yeah. By the way, whoever came up with that song is a fucking demon that makes Pazuzu look like a sweetheart. I wonder if they thought about its longevity the name yeah how it would just a timeless classic that we've walked planet earth for 51 50 51 years yeah been there since how many people have you bumped into named clute in your fucking life (laughs) just the six next will be the first for me clute now his last name was clute right (laughs) yes it would be great if his first name was clute what's his what was his first name do you remember clute closest i've seen is is uh jeff bridge's character in Tron Legacy, Clue. Mm-hmm. This is close I've gotten. I wonder what Clute's first name was. I wish, I wish, is it Tommy it's Clute? It's gotta be John, there's no way it's not John Clute. John Clute has to be, If it's not right? John, look it up. There's no way that's not John Clute. It has to be John Clute. You're right. You have such a good memory for this stuff. John Clute. Net worth? Is that what you... Donald Sutherland was cast as private investigator John Clute. <laughs> signing on, signing on to the project in May, this is what I need to know. He signed on in May 1970. <laughs> that's when he signed on. I, I always like to know when he's articulating with his hands. So that's actually very helpful that he would use his hands. He said year. he later admitted to uh, conflicting with the director or uh, having a conflict with Pakula because he insisted that his first name be Clute. said, I want that be. Anything else interesting going on? I don't really have much more to report. I don't. I mean, look. This is. How do you feel about doing all these exorcism movies? Because are you feeling a little? Are you feeling a little of the 
some evilness creep into your life? Not as much as I was hoping, to be honest. Yeah. You have Actually, trouble, trouble I, going to sleep at night? No, but I... Hear voices? The, here's the big takeaway, and this may say more about me than anything, but yeah. I can't get enough of this shit. I soak this shit up. I soak up everything. I, I loved even the bad, even the prequels. Mm-hmm. I'm soaking it. Yeah, well, you couldn't even wait to get to them, so you started watching them already. Well, I, what I wanted to do is I didn't want us to waste any time. I usually pre-watch this. Stuff. I like kind of like tinker around, just you know, yeah. in the background, just to what your appetite get in the headspace. But that's interesting because you have you didn't run to the theater to see Exorcist uh, Believer, which is which came out this weekend. So you have not seen it. Are you waiting to see it with me? Is that why? I mean, we should see it together. Yeah. Everybody seems to love it. Yeah, I've heard only good things. I tell you what, man, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm holding out hope, but David Gordon Green, I ain't such a fan, you know? I mean, I did like some he's of his movies. He's from here, right? Is he? I think he's from real here. I was kind of on to him a long time ago, though. What was, remember when he used to George do... George Washington? So I never saw George Washington, but the movie that he did after that, I did not like. It got, like, a lot of praise. McBride was actually in it as a side character. What's-her-face in it? Zoe Deschanel, I think, was in it. Okay. And it's, I just... It's kind of, like, half-improvised, I think, that movie. It's about a kid that, I think comes back to his hometown. All the real girls? Yeah. I thought that movie sucked. Well, Pineapple Express. I love it. And I, I don't hate your highness. I look at his uh, his resume, and it's not exciting. And Well, your highness is a movie I didn't like, but he has a big... He thinks it's he thinks it's underrated. I wish I liked it. It's a good idea. Maybe I'll watch it again. But he's made a total of maybe one and a half good movies. Well, I didn't see George Washington either. So he pivoted to commercial movies, I think, pretty early. And then was it Your Highness? Then the Halloween films. What did he do between those? I was blown away that he did what he did. He did the Sitter oh, Express with uh, Jonah Hill. Oh yeah, Prince Avalanche. Joe, that movie. Yeah, with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's, it's that's actually good. Manglehorn, which I don't know. Our brand is Christ. That's a uh, Sandra Bullock movie. Manglehorn is a. Al Pacino movie. Our brand. What is that one? Our brand is Christ is that failure for Sandra Bullock. Oh yeah, he did that. I didn't know that. And uh, stronger What's is that Channing Tatum, so uh, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, and I then and then the Halloween failures. Is, am I wrong? I thought he lives. I thought he's. Oh, he's from Little Rock, which is. He produces interesting things. He and produces, his TV stuff is solid. I don't know. I mean, like, he's probably a good guy. I just I don't know, man. I think the horror genre maybe isn't his thing. Yeah, you know, like I like I know people. Some people like those Halloween movies, but I really didn't. I, the first one really lost a lot for me after I watched it again, and I didn't like the second one at all. You didn't the see third, the third one. I did see the third one. The third one's somewhat interesting, but it's also like, eh. It's so rare that somebody who doesn't, who's not a horror person, makes horror films. And Actually, I can't say that, because he, he was on Empire's podcast, and he seemed to at least say the right things. Like I said, I, I think when I've seen him in interviews, he's in, he seems like a nice guy. I don't know. But it's so funny that he got tapped for the, for the extra. Maybe, is it because the Halloween movies were hit? Yeah, I, I th- I'm sure he's, he's got to be great in a meeting, too. The first sure. one was. First one was huge. Let's talk about Exorcist Three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe the second one was big too. So where I, where I was going with it, I, I, I can't I can't get enough of these movies. That's interesting. Like I said, these movies just kind of this movie when I when I saw it in the theater kind of terrified me as well. I thought it was really good and odd and just made some very strange choices that I like. And I hadn't I don't think I've seen it since. Maybe once you had to have. I haven't seen it for over ten years for sure. So. Yeah, it's great. And, Maybe even like fifteen. And guys, I mean, we're 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 well into October now. By the time this hits the waves, you already have had two podcasts come out. We got more coming. You guys, hopefully, are soaking up this X because we got more coming. Two podcasts, two pod songs. Yeah, 
More coming. You know, I know you love these movies because you're inspired. You're singing songs about them. Well, it's not. I, I'm sure I've done po- songs for movies that I'm not excited about. How dare you? Virus. <sighs> Speaking to Donald Suth. On the show, we call the movie Microscope. It's a show where we zoom in. We storm across the building like Padme. We melt nipple wax onto candles. We give tracheal birth. We wear out the knobs on Spock's boombox. We wash our hands of this whole cosmic salad. We pinch a baby's cheeks until they put the diaper on. We whip buttermilk like it's louder milk, the show. Watch me through a set of incense oil smelling eyes. Little peepers that have been gathered and scattered, smothered and covered in movies and nations. I pray for peace in this world. Watch movie. Let it sim through. Growl out. See what makes or breaks short the likes of the listeners. If we're talking about Quicksilver, we're talking about the scene where Kevin Bacon does his Padawan training on a Huffy with wheels of the training variety, goes down a hill, delivers a paper, dodges a Grim Reaper, gets 200 points. <laughs> talking about the little moments. Ladies and gentlemen, Exorcist 3 is all about little moments. We actually did a very special service for you listeners. We did not only watch the director's cut of this movie, but we went back and skim through the original theatrical version, so you get the, a little bit of everything here. You made a mistake. I, I disagree. We made a mistake. <laughs> we shouldn't have watched that director's cut, sir. Well, if it makes you feel any better, once you leave tonight, I'm watching the theatrical version. <laughs> Here's the thing. You said the word scattered. Yeah. Now, that is incredible. I think it's a word you just invented. <laughs> I love it. I did not realize Quicksilver was a video game adaptation. <laughs> Do you remember the music for Paperboy? Kind of. Okay. So good. And I used to play that game, and I was so bad at it. It is the. It has always been the hardest game. Yeah. It has gotten no better. I have it on this machine of mine. You try to play it? Like, impossible. Yeah. It's, it's fucking impossible. Then the sequel came out, right? And it was kind of the more of the same. Correct? Yeah, but now it's it's e-papers, so you're just throwing Kindles at people. <laughs> yeah, I used to love that. That that game intrigued me, and I sucked at it, and then I love the uh, 780 game. The you're just talking about games with weird controllers now. That's all you're doing. And that was hard for me, too. And you, you had to buy your way into the different skating parks. Of course. And then I would buy my way into one and fail, you right. know? Do you have that game, too? You must. I'm, I'm sure it's on. Yeah, but the thing is, you had, that had a very unique controller. Paperboy had a bike handle that you had to work, which was a very awkward interface. Right. But even with the joystick, because I remember it came out for the Atari. Every system it came out for, I bought that game because Paperboy, I, always wanted, I never made it to Wednesday in that game. Yeah, you had to go. And it was just... One of those things that you had to hit the Porsche just right, right, to get the points, and I, you would always be hitting the, well, the Or here, you, you could hit in the mailbox, well, too. Well, here, right? here's the thing. Right. That game, uh, it's like a Hollywood, it's like a casino. Right. It's rigged, right? They get you excited about throwing it precision into that mailbox. Right. And you could just as easily get half the points and throw it on the doorstep. That's huge. Right. But we are absolutely allured by the bonus of getting it in that mailbox. And I didn't get it either. Up, I would yeah. just miss the Porsche, even. I just love the fact that so that neighborhood can you imagine i want to make a tv show just about that neighborhood that neighborhood kicked ass there's like kids yeah break dancing in the streets there's fucking fire hydrants losing their mind there's cars over the fucking grim reaper there's guys <laughs> burglarizing do you know i was a paper boy did i ever tell you this i think i think i'm sure yeah I was, a, I was a carrier of the week by the way they had me in the in my own paper that i delivered they featured me did I ever tell you the story how'd they spell week and uh, they called my home. I wasn't there, so my mom took the interview. And she said, "This is I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. She said I was a huge fan of comic books. 
what else she said something else i was so mad at her she outed me as a nerd i thought it was going to be cool you know she said uh, my my son justin is going to go to college and get a paper delivering degree (laughs) i was carrier of the week uh and then you were dethroned by chris pine how are they doing it weekly by the way they got that many paper boys was this in champaign illinois Mm-hmm. Carried papers for the News Gazette. Well, you were on foot? Your pedo? I was on a bike, brother. <laughs> it got so cold there. My dad used to wake up on the weekends, and he would, like, put the papers together for me. He let me sleep in. After the summer, did you look like Freddie Gonzalez and Lady in the Water? <laughs> my, my one arm was so muscular from throwing the papers. Anyway, well, you know, I digress. You know who got fired from that company? From the News Gazette? Yeah. Who? The guy from Goodfellas. Why? Because he'd go, I'm going to go throw the papers, throw the papers, and he would burn half the inventory. Scathered, Nick. What's your relationship with Exorcist Trois? So, like I said, I was terrified of the original Exorcist. I don't think, and then, you know, the second one I don't have much of a relationship with, but I did see the third one in 1990 when it came out in the theater, and I remember thinking it was great and creepy, and I was surprised that it was good. Uh, how about yourself? Well, if you remember, I'm sure you do, Fangoria went haywire over this movie. So their, their, their lead into it was insane. There was a lot of coverage. And if I'm, and maybe I'm fucking Nelson Mandela effect in this shit, but mm-hmm. I thought there was a head morphing scene of, the, of Brad Dwarf's character. Into Jason Miller? Yeah, like goes for Jacob's ladders into a bunch of different heads. I, I could have swore that there was some sort of... You're video. not thinking of the Michael Jackson black and white no, video? No, definitely not. But anyway, I, love, I loved it. Saw it in the theater multiple times. Bought it on VHS and I'm sure VHS, uh, DVD as well. And I have the blue right now. So I love this movie. I love it. I think I'm this. I lo- this. This is my favorite Exorcist movie in the series. It's not the best, but it's my. I even like it more than the original. Do you really? Because you say you love the original. I love oh. the original. Oh wow! So you love this more. I love this more. And it's funny because George C. Scott, who is not an actor known for horror movies, mm-hmm. I think he's he's two for two. Okay. With great supernatural movies. Changeling. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. I don't think I ever saw it. Classic. Yeah. It's this movie is very interesting because it's. It kind of obviously erases the, se- the sequel, right? It, it's a direct connection to the to the first one. It, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't. Doesn't, it doesn't yeah, need to. It doesn't need to, but it, it definitely is a direct connection to the first one. It, it has some visuals from the first one, but yeah, I, I I like the you know the first one's my favorite for sure. I like this one a lot though, and I, I wish that we had watched the theatrical because I feel like what they did for the director's cut is they spliced in scenes that weren't finished. Or at least color correct. That doesn't bother me. And then they get rid of. Um, they brought Jason Miller back, and they got rid of his performance in the in the director's. Group. No, so they didn't do that. What do you mean? They didn't get rid of his performance. Yeah, they, they did. added his performance after the fact. Nicole Williamson. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. That's what they did. But they said they they got rid of. I guess what I'm saying is they got rid of what I remember. Like you know, I remember him being in there, being like my favorite thing about it, and then he's not in this director's cut at all. Yeah. Now, did Blatty hate like? Bring him back. No, no, no. I, I don't think... I think Blatty made the everything. I don't think he got removed. Well, so the, and the, the director's cut is called Legion. It's called... Uh, is it called just... It's Ex- called Legion, yeah. And that's what he... He didn't want it to have exorcist in the title, Blatty. Because in that version, there's no exorcism. Right. And yeah. it's based on his book, which I... Like I said, I used to have in my toilet at home, and I don't remember an exorcism. But so, I do remember those murders, and I remember the, the uh, forensic detail in which he went into it. Like, so, yeah, talk about the plot of the movie. Uh, should we talk about the cast or the plot first? Let's do cast. Okay. Two so it stars on. the kid from the Forever Young video. He's in uh, that. Alex Kirkland, I think his name is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's a big problem. You got... Um, Patrick Ewing of the New York Knicks fame. 
Larry King. Larry King. This? You got Ed, is it Ed Flanders? Ed Flanders from Saint Elsewhere. Is that where he's from? I thought he's from The Simpsons. <laughs> Viveka Linfors from Creepshow. George C. Scott. I don't really know anybody. Campbell's else. Campbell's Papa. You got the, one of the great names, Grandel Bush. You got Samuel L. You Samuel Jackson. Jackson cameos for like a second. He's in a yeah. dream sequence. Um, so Goodfellas was in '90 as well, wasn't it? Got Jason Miller in this. Yeah, Jason Miller, so Brad Dorif. Brad Dorif, who is always great, right? I mean, pretty much. Pretty much. And then the actor who was in a film we did recently, or not recently, in the first wave, The Beast Within. I think it was the first Pod song. Do you remember? It was, I think. But the, do you remember? He played the guy with the bald head and the glass who gets his head pulled through the wall at the prison cell. Do you remember his name? I looked at it before I forgot it. Okay. Can't zoom in that hard. But yeah, the premise. The Gemini killer was a badass who was kicking everybody's ass back 15 years ago. He was supposedly caught, executed, buried, and they washed their hands of it. He did some pretty nasty shit. And the cop on the on the case is George C. Scott reprising the role that Lee J. Cobb played in the original. And Mr. Flanders is reprising the role that the other dude played in the original. It's left a mark on him. And murders start happening again, folks. And he is beside himself. He has his confidant, best friend, the priest, for a while. It's weird because they're actually, the murders are going by the exact same details that the real Gemini did, which was kept out of the press. And Mr. Scott gets drawn into a web of intrigue which may lead to this mysterious person in this prison asylum being possibly run by Pazuzu, possibly the reincarnated or, or reused body of our friend Jason Miller or Brad Dorf. The priest, uh, Father Karras, who plummeted down the long stairs in the first movie and to then his death. He, he took in the demon and then he jumped out the window down the stairs. And this film is known for basically two scenes. It is. Unfairly so. What scenes? Well, there is a murder that happens in a hallway. Yeah, that's the big scene. And then there is a scene where <laughs> an old cutie <laughs> is crawling around on the ceiling. Although I would say that maybe the Brad door, like the prison interrogation stuff is also well, well known. People also like the exorcism that they just throw in at the end because it's kind of violent, I think. I don't know. It's interesting that the that a lot of the stuff that I remember, like in that director's cut, it's just it's just so abrupt. Like the end is so abrupt. They don't do that. They don't do an exorcism, obviously, which is kind of it is kind of I get it. The exorcism kind of doesn't make sense why they'd have it. All of a sudden, it's just it's just happening. But what I did like about the theatrical cut was it, it seems like the story sets us up is that Father Karras is is not maybe still alive, but is is a in a possess his body is possessed by this killer, and that that whole plot line goes in the director director's cut, but they just show Brad door up the whole time and you're like well how come jersey scott's recognizing karis yeah that is Dorf? that is strange and uh, but in the theatrical cut it's it's jason miller so it makes sense yeah and apparently the body of father karis was exhumed right very strange here's what i'll say by watching this director's cut mm-hmm. a little goes a long way with brad Dorf pontificating about murder it gets to be much He's great. Like he, he really does hold the scenes. I think it does go on a little long. It doesn't help. I think that it, it like I said, it's not. It just looks like a separate part of the film. But um, but like I said, he's great. But I could see the studio getting that cut and going, hey, uh, can we put some more Exorcist shit in this? Like, what the absolute hell well, is going on? Well, you think about it. It had been what thirteen years since, maybe even longer since the second movie came out. Right. 
and they obviously had to let that simmer down for a while. So if they're going to go back to the table, they got to come with something. And in 90, they were coming off the, possibly the golden, the most golden, golden era of horror movies in right. cinema history. I mean, the mid to late 80s was a fucking just wasteland of great shit. And this is, this is definitely has a, you know, this is, is this Blatty's only film? No, he did the, uh, what else did he do? What did he do, like the Ninth Configuration or something? What's He's done that? other stuff. He did a couple other things. He directed a couple of things? Yeah. Uh, he's got chops. Like he he has some great stuff in this. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Thank you. What what's his other film? You look. No, no, up? he's the best. But you know, taking over for Friedkin, doing it right for once, his own shit. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of people covering my work. I'm gonna direct the shit out of my own stuff. And the studio's like, how about we insert all this extra things that we like in here? And he's like, all right. So he directed two movies. Yep. The Exorcist Three and the Ninth Configuration. What's what is the is that before or after this? It's the one right before the Tenth Configuration. What? Who's in the, the Ninth Configuration? Stacy Keach, Scott Wilson, Ed Flanders. He's oh, got his well. own acting group. Is it before or after this? Before. Oh, there you go. I remember the bot, the video box. I never saw it. I don't like watching movies with configuration in the title. Ninth Configuration. I'm gonna maybe watch it. 1980 film, huh? So he this he's, these two movies are 10 years apart. That's some in. math right here on the table. Anyway, so did we do the premise? We did, right? Yeah. And we talked about the cast. Now we can fucking get this over with. All right, let's let's no, have the, the, kick off. The, kicks off amazingly. Well, the, the joy of this movie is not the exorcist stuff. It's not the it's not even that kill and it's not even the it's it's watching George C. Scott. George C. Scott and and for a while Ned Flanders are the best thing about this movie. And That's Scott funny. is a absolute joy going through this film like a bull in a china shop, just loudly, blusteringly. Well, and it's also going through the world because he it's it, instead of priests kind of leading the charge here, it's a cop, right? So it's a different feel. You know, the murders are, are kind of the, the focus here, not like a possession, so to speak. So, And I like that they carry that relationship from the first film. I, actually, it's the re- relationship that he has, his character has with Father Karras. Like, remember they had like... Kind Which of, they overstate in this movie. So he, they said, in this movie, he said that guy was, you know, Father Karras is my best friend. And the original movie, they, they, they got along, but they, they didn't know meet, each other that And then well. he is killed. And so, but he remember he asked him to go to the movies with him, but he doesn't. He's too busy dying. But in this movie, he with this the other priest who uh, what's his name in this Father Kinderman? No, no, no. Kinderman's a cop. Is that what you're asking? Oh, the the priest ass. The priest is his middle name is Kevin. Uh, We know that. Yeah, his name is Doctor or Mister. What's his fuck? Father Dyer. Father Dyer, and he lives up to his name. They've been going to on the anniversary of. Father Karras's death, they both kind of take, they, they meet and they go see a movie. They're buddies and they go see, to cheer each other up, they go see a movie. And they in this particular one, they go see it's a Deep inside life. Tracy. But the relationship's cute. The dialogue is, is actually really good and inventive and, and, and funny. Uh, I like the relationship a lot. They seem very, they do seem like friends, you know? But, you know, that's just because they're such good actors. George C. Scott, you're right. He's, like, fantastic in this movie. Campbell's pop. Is it his pop? It's his pop, right? Yeah, he made him. Campbell Scott. He uh, ejaculated and created a percentage of Campbell Scott out of it. Now, do we figure this out before? Is the C in George C. Scott stand for Campbell? It does. I do like me some Campbell Scott. And Campbell Scott showing up in the exorcism of Emily Rose, by the way. Wow. There's your connection. Wow. There's your exorcism connection. Uh, zoom in. By the way, on the set of Succession, every fucking lunch break, Brian Cox eating soup. Every episode. As they called him on the set. This movie, speaking of Brian Cox, has a little bit of a... Of a uh, manhunter feel with those with those asylum scenes, right? 
Sure. Sort of. If you want to be generous. Yeah. He's got like a dingy little Brad, Brad Dourif is pouncing around in a dingy cell with a weird machine in it, by the way. There's some kind of... Inexplicably. is his Are his hands bound? He's definitely chained to the wall. His feet... He's chained by the feet, at least. I think his arms are bound, too, because otherwise so. he'd be using that computer as a weapon. So he has a, uh, uh, a machine that I guess they run tests on him, and they're just, hey, leave it in the cell. We're going to keep reusing it. But they never... Only thing that happens to that, that machine... little brown wall. Only thing that ever happens to the machine, it gets... It gets uh, in the theatrical it gets ghost thrown or demon <laughs> thrown at the cell door. Well, it's, it's meant to hold the door closed, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We zoomed in. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell us uh, how this movie kicks off. With the murder? Or There's the a, stairs? It says it starts off with the stairs. Well, the version that we watch today does. Yeah. You don't know if the theatrical one I don't is. remember. Their, yeah. I mean, the stairs are... Famous. This is like the Millennium Falcon of the Exorcism movies, yeah. right? Yeah. The stair, yeah. The long stairs, which you visited, you said. Yeah. Did they live up? You said they didn't. I mean, well, there was nobody falling down them at the time, which I think is a missed did opportunity. Did you go up and down them? I did not. Why? Because I was with somebody and I, I felt... It's like let's not too scared. Yeah, we do that. We've done this before, where we liken a particular apparatus to the Millennium Falcon. Okay, uh, what would be uh, just let's just play a little word association. So if you're watching Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. what's the uh, Millennium Falcon of that movie? Is it her breasts? No. Is it his abs? Maybe the like the cat of nine tails. What does he have on his stupid wall? What's the dumb torture stuff that he has? The paddle? Maybe he's got the pa- a, spike paddle. He's got a bunch of... He's got even anal beads. He's got those beads. Yeah, but those, those only pop... Those only figure in once into the movie. She only has to By wear the way, those anal beads once. By the way, how many times is the cat in nine tails in the movie? Is it as much as the Millennium Falcon? No, I, we're still landing on it. I'd say maybe the paddle, uh, maybe the sister, Rita Orta. Maybe she's the Millennium Falcon of those movies. I would say she is, at best, the General Ryakin of the... What? Yeah, what is it? What I is think, it? I mean, we have enough things at the end of this movie, at the end of these episodes, but it would be cool to, to just to keep the Star Wars connection, say, what is the, you know... <laughs> we could replace the mantra one that we do at the end of the episode with that. What's the Millennium Falcon of this movie? Yeah, and we then, and then we can argue and say, <laughs> that's at best, that is the <laughs> cloud car. But you, you know? agree with me on the stairs for this thing, right? You're I mean, cry. Of, of Exorcist 3... Of these movies. Of Exorcist 1, it ain't the stairs. It is. Actually, the, the stairs do claim two people in yeah, that Yeah, the movie. stairs are big time in the first. The second one that even has the stairs? Third? Yes? Give me a break. I'm right. Did the stairs figure into the to the, the Schrader and the Rennie movie? No. Are you sure? Yeah, they, first of all, they take place hundreds. Well, they take place 50 years. I bet years they're in that new one. I bet it's get, you get a, they get a standing O in that new one. I think the only stairs are the audience at the screen when the credits <laughs> begin to roll. Uh, yeah, not a huge movie. They spent a lot of money on the exorcism rights. Only four hundred million. Exorcist rights. Did you? Did we talk about this? You ever watch the TV show? No. People kind of hold it in high regard. They do. I saw the first season. And I'm sure I talked about this in the last episode. Let's move you on. Yeah, but let's get. Let's move on. You can edit it. Look, Nick. How does it kick off? Like, what's give me some give me some deaths? What what's going on? Oh, first, uh, okay. So there's a, a little. Uh, we start in the, in the director's cut. Mm-hmm. We start in the dream state of of our of our hero, right. where he's seeing a, a young black boy greeting him at the street corner, right, and a very and various other things, and we find out 
unfortunate that young man has been murdered in an awful way by the j supposed Gemini killer. So that's how this one starts, and it's, you know, we get in the head of Mr. Kinderman right away. Something weird happens. So they go see a movie pretty quickly, these two. They go see It's a Wonderful Life. Something happens weird at the theater. Very strange. He the sneaks priest, in? The priest orders something from the concession stand that I feel like it's a, it's a science fiction order that doesn't happen. Lemon drops? He orders lemon drops. Right. At the concession stand. No. Has it ever? Lemon drops are the Millennium Falcon of this film. <laughs> but have you ever... Lemon drops is why there's no Grumpy Old Men 3. <laughs> have you... But you know what I'm saying? Is, is, that, has that ever been... I mean, if you're eating lemon drops in a the movie theater, you're bringing them in yourself, you know? They used to be at the theater. What, lemon heads, maybe? Oh, shit. Lemon drops, like the loose lemon drops that you get, like that your grandma got, or that you get at like a candy store you could dump in with like a shovel. You know, one of those things. Well, maybe they were forbidden from using the brand name lemon heads on the. <laughs> I mean, and lemon heads weren't even that, that much of a thing. And uh, I mean, Evan Dando disagrees. Oh, man. All right, let's move on. Unnecessary ponytail in the first uh, <laughs> scenes in this movie. So Grandel Bush and then this actor from the Beast would then play the other cop. There's a, and there's another extra cop who is a it's just fucking hanging in the horror background. show. Yeah. But this guy has got no reason to be ponytailing up. No. There is a maybe, what, a half inch of hair? Looking like Reggie Bannister in this. Looking like a shitty Reg. Yeah. yeah. Also with a John Saxon quality. I don't disagree. Perfect. Yeah, it's like a mixture of the two yeah. legends. And this guy forgotten by history. Now, like, now, Reggie Bannister, I follow. I mean, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I I, I followed his. Um, well, I was friends with him in the real life too. Really? Well, friendly. Yeah, he gave me uh, he gave me his his jizz whaling CD. I don't know what that means. What he, he had a band called Reggie B and the Jizz Whalers. Jizz whaling is the what well, is that? What is that? It's. <laughs> I like I like the fact that you 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 did a pantomime for me, what and the listeners can only speculate. <laughs> well, I, I was hoping you fill in the blanks. Is what is it? Juice harp? Harp? No, 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 it's not a juice harp. Okay, it is. Uh, so jizz whaling is a style of music that. Well, obviously in the, in Star Wars, that's what they called. There's this big controversy right now mm -hmm. because the music that Max Rebo plays, and by the way, Max Rebo is my sole inspiration for music. You notice that plays with his feet. He, well, I don't, but they change it to. to Something else like jib, something, whatever. Anyway, okay, yeah, yeah. But so he had a. It was. It's. It was almost like beach music, the way that he played it. But oh, he had a band, you know, as 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I'm every time his 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 wife does all the posting because Reggie's not in the best of shape. Yeah. Every time she posts, I'm I, I, I panic a little bit because I think it's her saying he's passed on. Right. Sounds like he's doing all right. That's good. John Saxon, however, guess what he's doing? He found yeah. out the truth about the afterlife. He's out of here? He's gone. He's either spiraling through bladders of air right now, or he is touching uh, tips with Jesus himself. <laughs> Here's the thing. Maybe touching tips is the Millennium Falcon of the Fifty Shades. He does touch tips. Are you talking about birth? Are we talking about... I was going to say... Cameron Bright is the Millennium Falcon of birth. <laughs> Hard disagree. George C. Scott walking slow in this movie. <laughs> With that barrel-chested bastard. My man walks, he, as the movie gets on, it's almost like they shot it in a day because by the end of the movie, my man is in slow-mo mode. He's well, walking down the hall and, and you're the, like, holy shit, speed it up a little. And Get the great thing about the stuff. director's cut is, so they what they did was they, they, weren't, they weren't able to find the actual print, so they, they took a VHS copy yeah. and added scenes in. 
most of the scenes they add in is people walking in and out of rooms taking forever. Yeah, it's stuff that the editor was like, let's just get rid of this. We don't need it. The first day of editing school, they taught me, no, <laughs> do not show George C. Scott going to talk to so, the nurse. He, there's a lot of um, scenes, or not, I mean, there's a few scenes of sheet-covered bodies, right, at these murder scenes, and George C. strolls towards them, <sighs> lifts up one side of the cloth. I'm about to disagree hard with you. Goes to the other side, lifts it up. I mean, he, my man, look, my man is great, and I don't mind watching him walk. I'll say it. I just noticed it. But if you're going to watch someone walk slow. I ain't, I'll take the hit mm-hmm. for him walking slowly. Right. If it means we get to watch him ponderously check underneath each side of that guy's body. Because I wouldn't sacrifice one second of that shit. <laughs> I like the way he glances down. He has to restrain himself. Mm-hmm. Looks down and then quickly looks Did you away. see me checking my watch during it? No, I was glued to I, the screen. Right, and I couldn't have seen you mm-hmm. check your watch because I was glued to the screen. Is him walking slow? No, it's the stairs. George C., he, um, and he is... Look, he's a cop. He's seen it all, right? But he's still grimacing at the... at the. Hadn't seen a treadmill. <laughs> he's still grimacing at the brutality of these crime scenes, and we don't really get to see how gross these scenes are. That's one thing that uh, William Peter Blatty kept us away from is the gore. Like we, it's it's kind of in our heads about what you know. Oh, they, they don't they don't spare details when they're talking about the. Gore. No, they do not. And the killer, it's a confusing thing because you, the killer is like cutting people's heads off, and it's got like these these huge medical instruments, like these huge medical shears. Which I, are you talking about? Are you talking about the Millennium Falcon of this movie? <laughs> but <laughs> but he also they say that he took the time to inject drugs into these people, and then. The, and the, of course, they are aware, but can't move or scream or talk. And then he's torturing them to death, right? As they're like slowly asphyxiating. And um, but also the kills are abrupt, so I don't really understand. Not all of them. Ned Flanders. I mean, Ned. Ed Flanders. Ed Flanders is, is he gets exsanguinated. He does. forever slow. He does. Yeah, like that kid from the Rod. But Stewart they said that he did it to the priest, and then the priest just it seems like he gets like stabbed through the confessional wall. And another thing I love about this movie is the cops. Painstakingly, uh, I wrote it down. Tell, tell him about what. So tell him about this priest that dies. It's kind of a creepy scene. So there's a confessional, confessional yeah, booth, confessional. Yeah, so booth. there is a priest, and he and we hear what is obviously Pazuzu infected voice mm-hmm. talking to him about a Through murder. Through wall, and, and he's starting to get nervous as shit. And then we don't see anything reach. So we just see mm-hmm. the blackness of the void between them, and we hear his tortured screams, and we find out that he got wrecked, yeah, right? He got destroyed, super dead. Uh, decapitated and all sorts of death, but then they say that he... It seems like it happens pretty quickly, but they say that he was drugged and tortured for a while. But Pazuzu might be able to fake that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Pazuzu... They don't say Pazuzu in this movie. At all. Never. Unless in the theatrical, which you'll see. And then... He sends, I guess what happens, the Gemini, Mr. Mr. Dorif, basically possesses these catatonic patients and sends them to do his horror yeah, work. Yeah, because a lot of the, half the movie takes place in this, I guess, kind of wellness center, this rest home for the elderly mm-hmm. and the, you know people that are kind of losing their minds or have all sorts of issues. And um, yeah, we, they find out towards the end of the movie he's been possessing these uh, somewhat catatonic patients and having them do the murder. So... Ultimately, you know, they go to this crime scene, and there's a, that's when George C. Scott gets to make a meal of checking that body out. Mm-hmm. While uh, the, our weird guy is that the scene where he's got the, he doesn't have the sunglasses on there, but you're talking about the priest murder, the priest murder, yeah, and, and he does his looking at the hands because we find out the Gemini killer 
takes a specific digit. Mm-hmm. But when they were back at the police station, not only had they done a very intricate 3D drawing from three different angles of the confessional booth, they have recreated the, the window of the confessional booth in, in, in wood. Out of wood, yeah. And, and it, it working. it's working as a sliding... Yeah. Yeah, and they, they're able to manipulate it. I'm glad they did it because George C. Scott can show them how the, the killer could open and close it. It makes absolutely no sense that they would recreate the confessional booth. You know what I'm saying? It makes zero and all the sense to me. The actual booth is mere blocks away. But on his deathbed, Blatty said, that fucking mock-up was the Millennium Falcon of this movie. Are you, are you just... Look, I thought that was a pretty great line, and now you're just taking the piss out of me. That sucked. Wait it actually minute. hurts. It's hurting me. What, what hurts? You, I feel like it's a criticism. I don't like it. Larry King's in this. <laughs> Unfortunately. He's in it for one second. They show him in a restaurant, and then they, then it's done. Well, like, they're trying to show what a mover and shaker <laughs> looks like. And they have C. Everett Coop in this as well. And I don't know the, I know the name, but I don't know the person. He must. He was a Surgeon General or something, I think? C. Everett Coop? Uh, he must have been at the table with old one Larry King, R.I.P., See ever coop also R.I.P. Yeah, former United States Surgeon General. Highlight of his life, Exorcist Three. Here's what I love. This is what's am- amazing about this movie. Mm-hmm. In a movie which features the Surgeon General, we have priests smoking. We have doctors smoking. S- oh, we forgot yeah. to mention Scott Wilson being. Yeah, in this Scott movie. Wilson is. Scott in Wilson this. is never seen in this movie without a cigarette in his mitts. And he doesn't look like he has what he. Yeah, he he uh, is the same way that Kevin Spacey looked awkward in The Usual su- Suspect smoking. Do you yeah. notice that? Yeah, yeah. He sucks at smoking in that movie. Kevin Corrigan as well. Kevin Corrigan has once, a huge part in this movie. One scene, but I love him so much. Follow him on Twitter, by the way. Big Why? music guy. I, I, love, I, I like him in his... He's, he, he pops Love him. him. Why? I think I like him from the sitcom starring Donald Logue way back in the day where he played. they played brothers, I think. Uh, but he's just always been great in movies. Terriers? No, 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 no. It's a sitcom called like he was. It was like a family sitcom that was kind of funny. I can't remember. What, what movie was he? He was in The Departed. That's right. And he was in. He's in Goodfellas. He was in Goodfellas, but he was in The Departed as well. Mm-hmm. He's just in a lot of stuff. Is he still out there killing it? Oh yeah, Corrigan. Yeah. I feel like we would be friends if we knew each other. Like really good friends. You yeah. Know? He would have been one of the targets of the Gemini killer. Unfortunately, his name starts with a K. Yeah. Tell him about that. So one of the things that's divulged by the Gemini, first of all, it takes a particular left index finger, I believe. Hmm. There's a little portrait on a certain palm. But he only kills people with a K in their name. So the reason we didn't know where John Clute's been hiding all these years. He, does he kill people with a K in his name? It's something to do with his dad or yeah, something? Yeah, his dad. Yeah, his, Did yeah. he kill? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Gemini killer, by the way, so George C. Scott, after, so what happens to his best bud? He checks himself into this hospital. A great um, scene where they, where they he brings him a, an adorable stuffed penguin. Yes. Supposed to represent a nun, I'm guessing, right? Maybe. Yeah, I didn't think of that. None from the zoom in, cuddle yeah. with, and 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 they have a little meet cute again with talking about the fashion paper and all that. Yeah, so then the priest is in, and you know, Jersey Scott's worried about him. He's like, "Why are you here?" He's like, "It's just a routine checkup." And then the nurse comes in there to like draw blood, and he's like, "Are you what routine? What are you talking about?" And it's like a funny scene, but you could tell Jersey Scott's really worried about him, and he's like, he's reading the priest is reading all these like junk. Uh, magazines. He's reading like some fashion yeah. newspaper. He has like he wants the uh, George C. Scott to get him like the Inquirer. It's cute. Like he has. He's like I've read all this other stuff. I have anyway. Then he dies. He gets super murdered. Um, they have a cute scene together, and then he gets super murdered. Yeah, George yeah. C. Scott gets a call late in the in the in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. Yeah, and he is not happy. And we also find out that George C. Scott is Jewish. 
right? Like his character's Jewish in this. Okay. And so there's a, you know, not that it matters that much, but it's a little bit of an interesting Jews thing. Jews disagree. That, you know. That it means a lot to, to have a, a belief and to and be part no, of No, but like, and he's also, and he also is a, dis, he's not a believer. Like he isn't a believer. He's a, he's a kind of a faithless man as well. And the big thing that pisses Pazuzu off is when someone doesn't believe in Pazuzu, right? Or in like spiritual thing. And so he's out there trying to promote. You know, get my man to believe. By the end, he does. He believes he, in all the wrong he shit. Pull, he, you know, he has a great, he has a great kind of speech about it. There's all the stuff he believes in. In which version? I guess in the director's cut. Was that no? Was it was theatrical. It? You're right. It's in the theatrical, right? Maybe. Yeah. Fuck, I don't remember now. I zoom in. Fabio is in this as well. God damn it! There's a dream sequence in here where Pat- Patrick Ewing. Fabio Samuel Jackson's in this. It all of a sudden becomes like a Terry Gilliam. Movie That's how we like find out that uh, Ed Flanders has been killed. Right. He so he's in it, and he is like all the people that have been de- beheaded are in this, and they have like their heads reattached with these like kind of Frankenstein staples. stitches or staples. And then Ed Flanders shows up, and he has it. And then uh, then poor little uh, George C gets called and says, "Hey, your friend's been beheaded and exsang- exsanguinated. He's done for, dude." Yeah, I love it. George C. throws some tantrums in this movie. He's spitting. He is grumpy. He's mad at the staff. The staff was like, gets mad when he's investigating. Yeah. He starts, he kind of locks down the hospital and wants to investigate and peep the hospital administration and the nurses, everything. Everybody's kind of mad at him. The actor who plays the, the hospital administrator is familiar too. He was in mm-hmm. a lot of movies in that he era. He was, yeah. He sucks. You mean he sucks? He sucks. It's fine. He sucks. He's a character who's mean. He sucks. That actor always sucks in movies. All right. I thought he was fine. He always is is the college like professor who is hitting on a student kind of role. Basically, what the what's happened in this movie is that Pazuzu's wreaking havoc in this hospital. Like he's he's down in the Brad Dourif is down in the basement of this hospital, I guess in the prison area, whatever this hospital is, and he is like this drifter that has been in a coma for a long time. They found him 15 years ago, and then he's recently woken up and started getting violent. And George C. Scott, when he when he meets him for the first time, thinks he sees his friend, the dead priest from the first movie, one Father Karras, now Father Scaris. Zoom in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what the whole, the, basically this, this guy down there is trying to get George C. Scott to, to say, hey, I'm killing these people even though I'm locked up in here. I'm the Gemini killer. You need to promote me. You need to get me in the papers. And he's got all these details about the killings. And so... And then George C. Scott just kind of leans against the wall and listens. Let's talk about the scene. Yes, okay. So we have a, we meet this this nice nurse in that scene that Justin was talking about where the lady comes in to draw blood, and God, it's not the right time. His blood's already been taken, and more is about to be taken. Mm-hmm. But we see her doing her rounds later on in the evening one night, not too far from then, mm-hmm. and what happens to her? So she hears a weird noise, and it's kind of a great kind of misdirect. She hears a weird noise, and she goes to investigate... And there's some security guards that are hanging out, too. She goes down to investigate, and she goes into her room, and, you know, she's kind of hesitant because it's scary, and she sees a glass with ice in it, and it's making the crazy noise, and so she's like, oh. And then a guy jumps up, remember, like a mm-hmm. patient. He's, like, sleeping. He's like, you woke me up. Guy, who's your manager? Yeah. And so then she goes back to her desk. Security guards start clearing out. I guess it's break time. Here's another because noise. This is happening because George C. Scott issued a nobody enters or leaves the right. facility without being... 
notified. So you pick it up from here. So what happens? No, 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 I got nothing. So she goes to investigate another door because she hears another noise. She opens it. Nothing in there. Nothing in there. And then she closes the door and seemingly locks it, turns around. As soon as she turns around, the door flies open and a ghostly figure with shears comes out <laughs> and follows her into where she's walking, like right. falls right behind her and cuts away. It's like a huge jump scare. Like it's, it's, it's a great it, jump scare. It, it's sort of a jump scare, but it's also just this, it's like a kid floating outside the window in the right. in Salem's Lot kind of and it's, memorable scene. It's such a terrifying scene. I think it really made an impression on people. Like People still talk about it. I think it's just because it has such a long buildup, but it's great. Yeah, and it, it's funny in the, in the we watched the bloopers somehow for this in the deleted scenes and they you could tell they, were, uh, they had a couple different angles for this. They were really trying to figure out how to, to shoot it to where to make it effective and I think they obviously landed on the, yeah. the, the correct thing. The problem is now mm-hmm. In horror movies, mostly horror movies, we are now trained to wait to expect that. I know the Conjuring movies, yeah, did that a lot too. To where you're you're so that you could see them they do kind the of puppeteering you, yeah. Well, the trailers they have those awful. Mm-hmm. I hate that. That there's a whole. I, I don't know if it's Blumhouse or it might be Blumhouse. One of the groups is kind of really guilty for doing a lot of that. You know, where they are constantly there's, just. There's a new movie. The trailer. There's a new. Movie called I think it's called Marco Polo or something. It's oh, like a, oh my god! Did you see the trailer? I saw the trailer. So they do that in that trailer. It's like a huge build up to like the demon saying Polo to this girl that's in the pool. Well, it was based on a short Marco. story, and that makes sense as a short story. I don't know how you stretch that to a feature. Who's short story? It was a sh- it was a short film. Sorry, short oh, film. Yeah, anyway, that's a Blumhouse movie. It's a bad it's a bad trailer. It's a bad trailer. And what is there supposed to be a monster in the pool? I'm sure. Yeah, of course. Just hanging out in the pool, having a blast. You know. Unless William Cat shows up with his kid, I ain't listening. Anyway, they say that this scene, this uh, scene that everybody likes so much, is the Millennium Falcon of this film. I disagree. Hard disagree. Right. Anyway, so that is great. By the way, uh-huh. the uh, tip of Lance Henriksen's penis is also called the Millennium Falcon, just so you know. It's the tip. Lance Henriksen still killing it out there. Loves making movies, man. He loves making movies. And he's still doing it in his 80s, early 80s, I think. He's making movies? Still? Yeah, still out there. I mean, he was in that Viggo Mortensen movie, right? He's still he's in other movies. He he lives on set. I bet if I looked it up, he'd have like yeah, six in production right now. All right, Oz. Varying quality too. A man does not turn down a role. I love him. Well, now that his matinee idol looks have faded. <laughs> Got to star with Jason. I meant Miller's Manitou, idol. I meant Manitou idol. Lance. Henriksen had once had pottery from him. I've said it many times. My wife gave it away. Looking great. 83 years young. Absolutely still doing it, which I love. Has four upcoming. Is on the TV series. Bring on the Dancing Horses, Nick. You, I know you're a huge fan. The Artifice Girl, 2022, Ooh. you saw that? Yeah, yeah. The Quarry video game, The Quarry. Uh, Alpha Rift. Played Corbin. In that one? Yeah. You might remember his role in Dead of Night from 2021. Lives on set. <laughs> I love that he's in Vigo's, him with Moon Knight. Vigo's passion project where he's like an, a name for like awards. Like, you know, they're like, maybe he'll get some awards for this performance. And he's also in Vote for Santa as Santa in 2021. So we can add Lance Henriksen to the cinematic Santa universe? He's in Vote for Santa. What is the premise? If it's... A real, it's reality. It's it's kids running terrified from the mall, having seen the disgusting face of their hero. I like he's just he's a, got bishop lines. Natasha Henstridge in that oh, movie God too. You know who she it. plays? Species. She plays the deciding vote. Um, Is that her name? 
She plays Jenna in it. I th if you would have said Miss Claus, I'm about to come right on this camera. <laughs> she, she plays the love interest. Can you imagine? She's going to a financier hat in hand. <laughs> All right, so just hear me out. Let me finish. I got Lance Henderson and Hensbridge to play a couple. Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> You know, I think Hendrickson is married in real life. Let's look it up. I mean, I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. Fuck it. See if he's married. You know he's married, right? I know his son's name. To his job. Married to Louise Lundy. Or Lund. <laughs> My man's been married thrice. I hope she is in her 20s. Got nine kids. She's like, I married him for his face lines. Louise Looks like Lund. fucking Kang the Conqueror here. Looked up Louise Lund looking young. Yeah, she's all right. She's cute. She's she's with um, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but she's with Henrik. What do we get, get? We gotta get to the ceiling crawling. There's this lady that there's a bunch of fun cuties that uh, Mr. Kinderman you know interacts with. One who thinks there's a mysterious missing radio. <laughs> That's the woman. Yeah, and then there's others, and there's there's a Viveka Lindfors from Creepshow. This lady is one of. It's one of Brad Dorf's drones. She, she is. And I, what I love about this scene is it's George C. Scott looking around this uh, room where it's like the, it's like the, the, the conference or whatever they call that, the, the social room, right? They bring all the oldies there to like play chess and, yeah. and draw and do activities. Sit on industrial furniture. And, you know, George C. Scott slowly saunters in that room to do some investigating, I guess, and just look around. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look up, though, Nick. And what's going on upstairs? Nothing. Oh, wait, there's something? There's a she is crawling around like a little fucking warlock. And what's the best shot of that? That whole thing. Well, she, it's amazing because they kind of speed it up. She looks like Claymation. And there's a close-up of her look, looking... That's the best shot? I love Fuck it. Fuck that. The best shot is her Claymationing around like... Her scurrying? But anyway, no one sees her. And she has just committed another murder. Of a hot nurse. Yeah, of a young nurse. Well, I don't know what she looks like from the front, but we certainly know what she looks like from the back. And she's naked and dead, and there's so many murders that happen in the hospital that they don't even give that one a cursory. You know, they're just like, eh, they don't get Can to I that ask one. a favor of you? Yeah. Can her side boob be the whir of this film, <laughs> at least? The whir? The Kari whir? No, the bartender from Star Wars. I didn't notice a side boob, my man. I noticed it for the both of us, Justin. All right, fair enough. She is. Uh, she's on the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, what a feeling! Guess I'm not doing that one. What are you thinking about? You don't know. Well, cut me out because I'd love to hear it. Nope. Cut, cut that out. Yeah, you have to do it then. Nope. What a feeling! You're crawling on the ceiling. It has to be. Nope. Cut this out. This I is what happened it. last episode. What did I say last episode? Kokomo. I'm glad I said it because you turned it into a banger. <laughs> <laughs> I love the actor Scott Wilson. I do too. He a sucks walking, in this movie. Walking Dead fame. He doesn't suck. He's in a bad. He's bad in this movie. He's not bad. He's just intimidated because he's working with. Well, it turns Scott. out he's getting puppeteered. Yeah, he's getting a little puppeteered. And then later on, there's this also this nurse character who I love in this thing. She's like this Cloris Leachman looking nurse. Yeah, Nancy of, Fish maybe. Is yeah, that maybe so. Yeah, that is Nancy Fish. Mm -hmm. Why do I know her? Where's she from? I don't know. Some. I think she was in Rhoda or something back in the day. One of those shows. She's got kind of a very severe look. She's like giving George C. Scott shit, but the whole she looks menacing. But at the same time, she ends up being a sweetie. She's yeah. By the way, mm -hmm. or she, later on, Mr. Wilson dies, and she drags George C. Scott. I got good news. 
She's still hot. Nancy Fish looking like Judy Davis a little bit. Okay. Still out there. Still killing it. Is it her? As my phone dies, looking her up. So it's your turn. 85 years young. Nancy Fish nude. Let's see here. She was our age in this film, my man. Oh, God. She's something else. Looking, She's dead. She did not die. You're looking at the socialite. There's an actress, Nancy Fish. Okay. Oh, yeah. She died at 27. Not the same actress. Wonder if she's named after her ass. There's certainly a fish mentioned in this. You might want to talk about that little story. The carp? The carp. Oh my god. Holy shit. Yeah. Before we get to that. Okay. Zoom in. The OG Nancy Fish? Yeah. Guess who she shared a bed with? Holy treat. P.T. Barnum. First wife. Oh, you mean the socialite? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for zooming in on the original Nancy Fish. She shared oh man. She was in the bed. She was hopping around on PT? She was in the Guinness Book of Pearl Necklace. Penis Tremendous, by the way. Barnum. <laughs> Just to zoom in real quick. <laughs> then she cheated with Bailey. <laughs> Give me some news on the... The real Nancy Fish? Yeah. The one who is, is still craps on the, on the toilet in the world? <laughs> Born in 38. She was married to Ralph Harper Silver. They've unfortunately split. Looks Sorry. Like, Looks like she was born... Age 38, by the way. By the way, 4'11", so she looks up to Rob Zombie. Let's see here. She's 4'11"? I ain't fucking kidding you, dog. love that they have her height. They captured her height for the IMDb. What has she been in lately? Is she still acting? Actually, they don't have any of her roles, just her height. (laughs) (laughs) They should have a website that just does height. They probably do, actually. Movies you've heard of, she's in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. She's one of the casting people. Okay. Oh, not not impressive enough. Okay, she was on The (laughs) X-Files. She was... And a lot of TV. Lots and lots of TV. She was in The Mask. What, what's the last thing she was in? Is she still working? She was in Love Shack in, in 2010, so no. Ghost in the Machine. Oh, Nancy Allen. Dr. Giggles. Hello. She sniffed around the horror genre for a bit. Death Becomes Her, yeah. She's she's uh, speaking my language here. I like Nancy Fish. I do, too. She's great. But I thought she was... Let me see. She's great in this movie. I'm not going to argue with you. She's, I, she's, I, I, uh, I went there first. Menacing, and then also... She's bringing toys to the kid when you think she's about to kill him. Did she, do you think she was um, manipulated by one Pazuz in this or not? I don't. Yeah, Pazuz couldn't get in there. But uh, but apparently Scott Wilson had some some problems. Yeah. Well, we see it because he rehearses his speech to George C. Scott, and then he then he lays out the deeds. He kind of I don't. What is he doing? He's kind of just convincing Smoking. him that the guys maybe the yeah. Gemini because the Gemini killer does want to get in the papers, and he wants those papers to be thrown onto porches and into mailboxes for points. <laughs> While dodging the Grim Reaper and breakdancers. Yeah, for fair enough. So, but the, the you know obviously the meat of this movie is is the confrontation conversation between George C. Scott and Brad Dorif in the director's cut, and George C. Scott, Jason Miller slash Brad Dorif in the direct in the original cut. Like the original cut more because I like to see some Jason Miller. In this. I have to agree. Yeah, the, the original cut's better. Although there's slightly more scenes of Flanders and Scott in the director's cut, so I don't hate it for that. Okay. And there's a shot when they're in this restaurant where you see. They're trying to make you focus on Jason Miller, but in the foreground, Brad Dorif is playing one of the priests. He is, so he's in the picture. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Exactly who they picked Her exorcisms must have worked She is M.I.A The memory of her 
freshness somehow always stay Years go by, they're looking for the 90s Linda Blair Of course your C. Scott's the body that they put in there He's Campbell's Mo. This casting choice is super bold Pazuzu you must really like him old Pazuzu must like him old Cal George sees four He's trying hard for Oscar Linda's warm and George's cold Watch Jimmy Stewart with his priest Right after his kid friend got deceased The Gemini decapitates Just to catch his eye Left a huge mess for the cops While Dyer pounded lemon drops Something had to excite us Without sweet Linda Blair A headless priest has lost his blood Without spilling a bit To see him under that hospital shroud George Seabout threw a fit He's Campbell's mom Really like them all, Zuzu must like them all. Count your seeds, he's trying hard for us to go. Linda's warm and George's cold, Linda's warm and George's cold. spill some tea on the priest in those early scenes on his in his dietary habits because the priest is not he's saying he's not very hungry and George Scott's like just eat and he won't remember he's yeah he's like I'm not hungry uh, and he goes I've seen you dip Twinkies in mustard before that's an odd mm-hmm. I know maybe he's just rounding up is the, that what they call what they do boys or Jesus Christ no he did say he got his lemon drop uh, addiction from choir boys I think yeah mm-hmm <laughs> by the way yeah Team Gemini killer. <laughs> Why? Because he... Because if, if he was touching diddles... I don't, well, I don't think he was. Oh, okay. Remember, I thought maybe they had a, he had a relation with Jason Miller in the last movie, this character. Yeah, you wish. In the first movie. I think it's kind of maybe suggested. I don't, think that's, right. I don't think that's in the good book. All right, all right. Put your... Uh, what, what, what is it called? The uh, Gaiman's Collar? What's the thing? The name of the collar? We found out what it was in one of the... Was it... 
It's just something like the Roman collar. Right? There you go. So giving each other the old Roman collar behind the scenes. Here's the thing about this killer, Nick. He is very fussy. He does. He does. He he takes index fingers. He carves the Gemini symbol in people's palms. He decapitates people. He also likes to spell with a double L. Like he yeah. uses extra L's in words. Right. If a word wants, like like the word, what's a good word? Lamp. He put L L A M P. Maybe I don't know. He spells wonderful with two L's in this. Mm-hmm. That's a weird, kind of cute, honestly, <laughs> thing that this killer yeah. does. Yeah. Makes you kind of like him a little bit. Extra yeah. L. They call him the Gemini killer. She call him the extra L killer. You know. Yeah. You know he's so mad about. He's mad about karaoke because he couldn't do Billy Joel's Allentown the right way. <laughs> what? Spell check. That's what I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> Super angry about it. How many times do I get to say ignore on this shit? You know? That's how you beat Gandalf. Speaking of, Nicole Williamson shows up in the theatrical version of this. The lovely actor who is currently, unfortunately, sitting in hell. So all but of a sudden the movie... From, but he played Merlin in Excalibur. A Borman film... Which we need to watch. Cause I haven't. I have only seen it like it's once. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. So that's a connective tissue. Borman worked with Nicole Williamson Excalibur. Here he comes. Also, <laughs> my boy John, takes place in the Exorcist my boy John universe. Borman. <laughs> Take me away. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <get> absolute best. <laughs> Take me away. <laughs> but the Exorcist too, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, but those conversations are great. And you're right, the versions in the theatri- theatrical version are way better. And I like the fact that it's like it kind of did the same thing. I mean, this is going to be a wild swing, but Alien Resurrection, the way they bring Ripley back, like they have to bring Ripley back, and the way they do it, I always kind of liked that they cloned her because, you know, she kills herself at the end of the third one. This is like, they're like, how do we get Jason Miller back? I know. Let's have him rise from the dead. And then the body that's buried in his grave is this priest he spooked. You know, Pazuzu puppeteering like a dead man, zombified Jason Miller. I like it. I, I, I like the fact I know you I just know. acted like Jason Miller meant anything. What do you mean? I love him, but it's not like you could build the marketing campaign around, guess who's back? So in the new the one... actor you don't know exists. In the new one, apparently, which people don't like, I think, at least the critics don't, there is a cameo. Can we spoil it? Nah. The people Next, are, well, you know, when we do that episode, we will. People are uh, on their feet about mm-hmm. in the theater, supposedly. So, uh, I would be too. I, I'm happy to hear about it. I, I ruined it for myself because I wanted it to be true, and it is true. You know what they said? Hmm. The movie sucked, but she's a Millennium Falcon of it. <sighs> what else happens? So, how does it end? Well, so the, the priest comes in the, the, to do an exorcist for no reason. It's dressed great. up like a crazy priest. Then he gets destroyed. Destroyed by Pazuzu, who rediscovers his powers. Superpower. What does he do? He pins him to the ceiling and his face melts off. He gets peeled off. Mm-hmm. But I guess he doesn't die. Yeah, he lives just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although, probably not going to be in one of Flanders' fashion mags after this. So then George C. comes in and he also gets pinned to the wall ceiling. and then pinned to the ceiling yeah. later. And it's George C. Scott on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a weird look. It's a great... You think they just lay... He's on his back, obviously. It's not... He's not... You didn't really pin him to a ceiling, did they? I mean... I hope they did. Yeah. They shot it out of sequence. That's why he's walking so slow the rest of the movie. Ceiling damage. They needed an actor that has, was good with ceiling stunts, by the way. That's right. why he got cast. Yeah. Not in the director's cut. He doesn't get uh, slam-handed onto the wall or the <laughs> ceiling. I love... Actually, I, I do love the ending of the direct, of the director's cut because of how bleak it is. Bleak it is. He just comes in and shoots him? Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is Pazuzu gets a, one of the olds to drive to... <laughs> 
to George C. Scott's house and then almost kill his daughter. In a scene you like. I love the because the, the, the old woman brings some shears there and it almost beheads this daughter, but they pull her uh, head away from the shears at the last minute mm-hmm. and the, as the shears snap closed. Right. I think it's a cool shot, actually. Yep. No one. I don't care about the daughter. And I certainly don't care about his wife. I, they do not make an impression. The in this wife movie. looks like Tyne Daly to me. They, the 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 mother-in-law does. The mother-in-law is there for comedic effect. Sort of. Yeah. She's, she's strange dropping, as fuck. She's dropping jokes and making carp. And she has um. He has this long-winded monologue, which is great, about how the mother-in-law brought a is afraid of the impurities of fish, so she buys live a live carp, and then it's been living in their bathtub for three days swimming back it's and amazing forth. it's an amazing scene he, he talks about this and how he, he he's not shot he's not showered for three days it is the alex baldwin glengarry speech of this movie i mean it's not untrue that it was in his bathtub no that that is that's a that's a that'd be a fun speech to audition holy shit with, like a, for a, a job you know the yeah the yeah. carp yeah. speech from yeah. it depends on how much you want to have a serious acting career and be cared about as a person. I mean, you got to hand it to George C. Scott. He delivers the shit out of that. That's a it. weird monologue. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And it's jokey. It's funny. The movie's funny, period. It's funny for I mean, well, it. yeah. It gets less funny. Yeah. It, as soon as the priest dies, his buddy, right. it's not funny anymore. And usually that's when I start to get uplifted in a movie. And George C. Scott is actually sad about his, his friend dying. I mean, it's he's he's really... Gr- At one point, he just starts... He breaks down. Yeah. Starts crying. J.T. Walsh. The ending in the, in the director's cut is... George C. Scott just says, fuck this, and he goes and shoots the prisoner in this cell. In the theatrical version, uh, they they plead to Damien underneath the guise of Pazuzu, and Damien Miller says, Damien Miller? Jason Miller? Damien Karras? <laughs> Damien Karras. Damien Miller's a catcher for the Dynamax. Yeah. Alex Karras? Father Karras says, shoot at me now, like he knows when there's a moment yeah, where the wakes is, up, yeah. and then he gets destroyed. You know, you know, we, you know Jason Miller is in full-on um, demon, like, R- R- Reagan makeup in this. Like, he's got, like, the it's weird got, eyes. The, and yeah, the, and they've got the key lighting on his eyes, and they're glowing. got the white face and stuff, and and he is he's all in, you know, for this. And, yeah, he, he recovers enough. He comes back to himself enough where he says, hey, shoot me, and George discusses, no problem. I want to think that... Two in the chest, Jason one in the Patrick head. came to the set and got to see his bop at some yeah. point. By the way, this has never happened before. Right. While we're sitting here, uh-huh. our podcast is going live, the last episode. What do you mean? It is scheduled to go live oh, at 11.59 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. in two minutes. That's great. I can't wait to listen to it. One of the few. Put ears on that bad boy. I hope you get some response. I do love the song in that one. I love all your songs, but that's a great one. The pod song. It's, I, don't, uh, I don't know the song at the end yet. I do. So it's a it's a it's a love fest. I love it to death. It's it's adorable. So what do you think? It's all downhill from here, Exorcist wise. Well, we're gonna have more. I know, but did you? What your for feel- us feelings on the other two that you had started? I mean, watching? we do better on this show for movies we don't like. You think so? I think so. I watched all of Dominion, and I don't hate it at all. Raider. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I've watched a small percentage. Is of it thoughtful? It tries. Is it creepy? No. Like just basically, there's a boy. A boy version, like a man possessing it instead of Reagan, is that what happens? It's yeah, and also people are people do wicked things in the presence of it. Who's possessed? This this is the weakness in the movie. It's this young boy yeah. who has this awful makeup on his face from the jump, and it's rough. And then it's Pazuz though, right? No, he's a, he's a poor, uh, a, a, a tragically handicapped guy. But but it's Pazuzu in in him. He gets in there. And does Pazuzu spout weird shit again? Does he? Is he back he gets to boring full power? And shit. He gets boring. It. And he makes a kid healthy. Oh, 
Yeah. Well, Pazuzu was kind of back to full power in the third one after a weak entry in the second. Yeah. He's he, he's doing serial killer speak though on this one. I like him a little too much. I like him better in the first one when he's just absolutely wicked, yep. crazy. I like the know? vulgarity. All right. So credits. What did you, you, you find in there? Internet search king MB in here. You're about Mac Bing. I am talking about Mac Bing. The yeah. heir to the Bing franchise of fortune. Go ahead. What, what about you? I'm going to spill some tea. All right. On the set of Cannery Row, Nick Nolte said some unkind things about his co-star's vagina. What? Good old DP. In this. Oh, no. He's talking about the Deb Report. You got almost nudist CF in this movie. Don't almost have it. nudist. Don't have it. CF. Don't have it. Carol Fleischer. <laughs> she almost. Jesus. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. When Captain Picard points <laughs> and says, make it so, you know what device he's using. He's using J- JH. Talk about Jeffrey Hand? He's using the Jeffrey Hand. Man, you, Pirates. You, you, you do remember his most successful film. Who? What? Patrick Stewart. The Hand? Jeffrey. <laughs> is that the dude from Wings? Isn't that is movie the gay, the gay guy? Yeah, but is or no Stephen, Stephen Weber in that? I think so. But isn't Patrick Stewart in it? I think of Oliver Stone's The Hand all of a sudden. You know, like that's Mikey Kane. Hold on, hold on. I got to know if Patrick Stewart's in Jeffrey. If I'm wrong, I feel very dumb. Oh God, it won't even. I type Jeffrey, and it's not even an option. That movie was such a hit. Oh no! Please tell me Patrick. Or is it the guy from Jag in it? Please. It's either Weber or the guy from Jag. David Patrick, whatever his name is. Please tell me he's in Jeffrey. If he's in, he's in Jeffrey. If he's in that movie, he's definitely getting in Jeffrey at some point. But goddamn it, please be in Jeffrey. <laughs> You're usually not wrong. That's the thing. You're usually not wrong. He was in Jeffrey. Give he me a lead. Steven Weber. Yes. We just brought Jeffrey into Got a bunch of confused pirates over here, Nick. With GC, all these confused pirates going, why, I, why do they keep firing have, Greg's at us? I don't have it. All these Greg's at our ship. Got Greg Cannon in here, Jeez. Nick. Greg Cannum. Huh? Greg Cannum, the special effects artist. Greg Cannum. You're right. I had I, I I can't even recognize my own handwriting, but also there was a Greg Cannon in the, there too. <laughs> you know um, Meryl Streep doesn't hold her trophies in her bare hand. Her Jeffrey hand? You know she doesn't though. She what are you talking about? She won't hold any of her trophies, her acting trophies, in her she bare hand. Too many, yeah. So she has to resort to the OM. Yeah. Oscar Mitt in this. <laughs> These are Oscar Mitt. Pick him up. The Greg Cannon. This guy, one of my favorites. Brother-in-law, you got CK in here. Don't have it. You know Chuck Kinlaw. What's <laughs> <laughs> his name? Chuck Kinlaw. Maybe he says it a little differently. Speaking but. of spilling some tea on the set, mm-hmm. little darlings, you hear Chris McNichol yelling this, didn't you? Okay. TS. Tatum Share. Tatum Share. <laughs> you got RC in this, by the way. He had to be in this. Who you talking about? He had to be here. I mean, <laughs> he immediately hired. They didn't even look at his resume. Okay. Russell Christian. No problem, you're in. Well, I mean, this guy, if you say his name three times in a row, a bag of salt appears on the floor. You get I.I.? I.I.? Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, just don't tell me what his name is. It's incredible. His initials are I.I.? Are you serious? Yeah. It's incredible. Never. What? Who is it? It's Isom Isson. The sodium cleric. <laughs> Look, man. Yeah. You've been asked to get a tattoo from the Exorcist 3 Legion on your body. Mm-hmm. What you going to do? Oh, I mean, I'm going to get that ceiling, Grandma, <laughs> on my shoulder. It's the cutest thing. Yeah. It's the cutest thing in this movie. And it's supposed to be terrifying. It's not. Mm-hmm. It actually makes you root for Pazuzu a little bit. 
you're not. I didn't kidding. know that he could command the olds onto the ceilings. And do you think they're having a blast a little bit? Do you think they're half aware? Yeah. When he takes over and they mm-hmm. know that they're like Spider Man in it? The question is, why does anyone ever walk under his spell? When you, when that's an option. That is so true. It is kind of Spider Man esque. Yeah. What they're doing there. It's, it's Aunt May esque. Yeah, like if Aunt May got bit, which I'm sure happened in the comics at some well, point, right? Like a what if? All right. What about you? I think what I might get is. Dorsey Scott on the ceiling on my shoulder, just like your lady tat. Okay. So we can like kind of be twins in a way. Like you've got the grandmother tat on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. I've got Georgie Scott pinned to the ceiling on mine. Pinned to the ceiling, so the from the movie or in her in her spot? Because he is in the ceiling at the end. In which version? In original. The original. Yeah. 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 No, it's the pinned. He's pinned. Okay, you have him on. But I wanted to. I want the artist to do both of ours and to have the ceiling tiles sync up, mm-hmm. so that if we sh- stand shoulder to shoulder, even though they're in different places, uh-huh. same, same, same. Oh yeah, yeah. And then mine will have a little speech bubble come out and say first time to him. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Look, you've been asked to have you've been asked to add a stinger to the end of Exorcist Three Legion. A little post credits thing. What you got? Oh man, there wasn't one, right? I don't think so. I'm just gonna do something I've never like. I'm gonna. Some movies do this. They did this on the disc that we watched. There's a blooper reel. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do the the over the bloopers for this movie. Kind of take out the air, like the a little bit the um, the judge. But to, you know, everybody had you had a very stressful time. Now we're gonna show you. It's not real, guys. This is fun. The actors had fun on the set. And unfortunately, I'll have the same uh, disclaimer that they have: is blooper. We lost uh, the we audio. Lost the audio for this blooper, but watch it anyway. Better yet, you like we lost the audio and video for these bloopers. So just watch the credits. They did actually say they lost the audio for the bloopers. So please enjoy this puppet show of George C. Scott. <laughs> they should have at least had someone there to describe like why it was funny. Oh, yeah. he said he said shit here, yeah. and everybody lost it. I did watch I mean, some Office bloopers recently. The, Office bloopers are great. I don't even watch the show. Yeah, the UK but, ones. Okay, but, but even the ones for the American are great. Yeah. But most bloopers are awful in motion pictures that they that they share. You think so? Like the Marvel ones, it's they're always, always bad. Do they do Marvel bloopers? Yeah. You buy it on it. iTunes. They have spe- uh, the bloopers are always bad. I never watched it's, them. It's just, it's just like Robert Downey like coming on somebody. So, <laughs> <laughs> Audio lost. Mine is, because the movie ends with him shooting the shit out of Brad Dorff. So mine is, he leaves the cell, quietly closes the door. Okay. And then he goes to the receptionist and said, he's taking a nap. I'm going to go get some lunch. Don't check on him. He'll, he's fine. Give him a couple. Give him, give him a heavy I thought two. we heard gunshots come from there. It sounds, sounds like some loud bang. broccoli for breakfast. You know, he's got some serious broccoli ass. Look, man, you've been asked to uh, do a sequel to Exorcist Three Legion. Money's underneath Escrow's back pocket. What are you doing? Dream come true. A, s- a sequel to this? Mm-hmm. Dream come true. Takes place about 25 years after this. Mm-hmm. Campbell Scott is a cop. Wow. Jason Patrick is a priest. Oh, no. Teddy Vancito is also a priest. Okay. Linda Blair Jr. is also possessed. <laughs> it's like the young guns, but the exorcist. It's got a little little, little, little bit of zest to it. It's I like a little this, bit, yeah. A little bit cheeky. You know, everybody's got, there's a, it's a much quicker edit. Everything's tight, you know. John Bon Jovi does a song, so does John Bon Jovi Jr. John Bon Jovi Jr. Is there such a thing? Does he have, <laughs> he has children? I hope not, for our sake. JBJGA. Uh, my sequel is Pazuzu defeated back in hell, gets called into the boss's office again. Satan is like, what happened? You know, what happened up there, man? I thought we had to give you all the tools this time. I don't know. He's like, I'll get it, I'll get it right next time. There is no next time, Pazuzu. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're not going back up. You're, you're, we're booting you down to the minor leagues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
we'll send someone else up instead of you. But yeah, that's it. That's like he. So it's just about Pazuzu. The sequel is about Pazuzu just kicking cans in hell. Oh. Just you know, just trying to get his mojo back a yeah. little bit. Starts a relationship down there, gets a girlfriend. Ooh. Works at a Denny's. What do you think? He can't even afford a car. He's like fucking taking a bike. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's yeah, his lowest. Literally, he's in hell. But he's I mean, at Pazuzu his pedals. I mean, let's be honest. It's a wonderful life reference. Nice, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. That's that's my. You can add a laugh track maybe once for for that. <laughs> Would be helpful. Sometimes they don't. They don't need to always be funny. Sometimes they just need to be. Oh, do they ever need to be funny? Is that because uh, he's down in the dumps? Yeah. As Reagan possesses him down there, that's it. Oh even, my! It's messed up. He starts doing great things. Starts being nice to everybody. All right, go ahead. So look, you've been asked to have your own business associated with Exorcist Legion. What are you going to do with that hard-earned? I'm going to do some head shears, just like in the movie. Head shears? Spring-loaded shears that oh. sever heads and cut yeah, bodies away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrome. Look like and chrome. Yeah, really shiny, really heavy. Mm-hmm. Spring-loaded, like, just snap that shit right out. And I'll make them readily available to people of all ages. Okay. And then I'll sell them exclusively at Shears. Shears. You know, like, part, since it's famous Shears and Roebuck? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, that's how J.O. Sanders would pronounce it. You're one stubborn son of a bitch. Don't worry, movie fans. I got you. I'm bringing lemon drops back in. Jesus. Loose lemon drops. You can get it at the concession stand. Care of Exorcist 3. We're bringing it back. We learned our lesson. People ask for them. All those Exorcist 3 fans, they're like, lemon drops back there? And they didn't. Never had them. But we have them now. Mm-hmm. And they are the Exorcist 3 branded lemon drops shaped as Father Karras himself. A little, little lemony Karras. And then in our special edition bags, it's, it's, we'll have Dur- Duraf in there as well. Are you just reusing the molds from the 30 Rock? What are you talking about? Their lemon drops they put out. You just reusing the molds? Just tell me why. You don't remember the lemon drops that they made for 30 Rock? No. No. Oh. Could Liz be Jason lemon. Miller. Could <laughs> I get it now. All right, all right. I was trying to get there. What Literally. do you think? I mean, of course. I mean, I want it out. I want it there. You lemon like drops a, are great. You like a lemon drop? Oh, oh fuck yeah. yeah. So so close to medicine almost. It feels like it's a cough exactly. Drop, you know what I'm saying? But it's just so it's good. Like I never get it. I never take. I never get a lemon drop. But when I have one, mm-hmm. after years, I have one. I'm like, hey, I'm missing out. This this stuff is mm-hmm. a good. It's good. You remember the last one you had? No, right. not a long time ago. I until you brought it up, I thought lemon heads were lemon drops. They're not lemon. By lemon the way, does have a candy shell. Yeah, that, those little boxes. Mm-hmm. Of lemon drops? Sure. How many can you eat before it becomes repulsive? Is it six? I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, do you remember, uh, what's the one grape? There's a grape version of lemon drops, too, called, like, Alexander the Grape. Remember this? Are you this? kidding me? And same kind of box, yeah. And they also were repulsive. Like, you could not eat the whole thing. Yeah. See, I know that there's people that have a, a, real, a real vendetta against circus peanuts. I like circus peanuts. We both we share that. Death, we yeah. both like them, yeah. And candy corn. People have a vendetta mm-hmm. against those, I like too. candy pumpkins more than candy corn. I like candy dulfer. You know what I'm saying? Sweet saxophone sound. Right. Yeah, I can eat circus peanuts are fucking sweet. I do like them. And they're hard to get. You can't find them. Very First well. person ever to eat one, by the way. You ever you read about that? Huh. Nancy Fish. She that was her instead of cigarettes after her sessions of PT, she popped in a circus peanut, yeah. right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I it's see. peanut time. I get it. Not the candy. You're saying you're suggesting no, that she was talking, eating something else. No, I'm talking about the candy. His circus peanut is no, that no, she no, meant? No, 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 no. The first person to sample the recipe for the circus peanut candy, Nancy Fish, on one of these grand stages. That's one of, way to say it. Sample the candy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. But that's what the PT stands for. Incredible. Peanut time. <laughs> I can't believe you're spilling tea on PT Barnum and Nancy Fish. 
The right. social socialite. Yeah. You, you could keep saying socialite. Was she not? She may have been, but she's so much more than that. I mean, let's be honest. She ate the first circus peanut. <laughs> socialite is a fucking small print under that shit. Look, you're in the movie. You've been added to the running time of Exodus. He's a freak, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Super freak. Like, as in like a sideshow freak? He three-ring three binder, you know? You hear about this? <laughs> I didn't. Insane. Yeah. You know, the problem was, she was, he was insatiable. Yeah? Everyone he pitched a tent. <laughs> oh, man. Nancy Fish. Her ears are burning, man. That's what we should do. That's, that's the exorcist movie we need. Pazuzu taking over Nancy Fish. <laughs> PT's like, ah, it's getting weird in the bedroom. All right, go ahead. Brother hugs the strong man in hell. <laughs> You're in the movie. You've been at it the right time of exorcist. What shape does your performance oh, take? Man. I'm Abraham Knudsen. Another priest who's friends with George C. Scott. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Abraham Nudson. And I find out about what's the whole... He confides in me. I find what's going on. And I'm fucking terrified. And I am just... I, every time I'm going to the library, I'm screaming, The K is silent! <laughs> the K is silent! Don't get me! <laughs> don't, don't get me. That's his... <laughs> don't, don't get me. <laughs> just, just screaming into the universe. Nuts in with a silent K. You can't come get me. He's ordering a coffee, and they're like, he's like, that's a cat. He's at the cashier. What's, what, who's this for? Nuts in with a silent K. It's not a real killing K. <laughs> I'm uh, the woman that crawls across the ceiling. Which one? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm her son. <laughs> I finally have a legitimate excuse why I never come by. Why I never visit her. Before it was super mean. Just dumped her off. Don't visit. <laughs> I find out that she exsanguinated a dude and crawls across ceilings. And I, find my, I have been legitimized. Why I don't never stop by. I play her son. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Look, you've been asked to incorporate something from Exorcist 3 into your daily life. Mantra, creed, ritual, tantric exercise. What, what you got? There's a funny line that says, there's no such thing as things. Do you remember that line? That is in one of the versions, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to, that's what I, I'm just going to spout that off. That's that's the mantra. There's no such thing as things. I think George C. Scott mm -hmm. says it at a grave graveside. Right. I believe he spouts That's in that. the original version, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep a track, huh? Yeah. It's an original version. Okay. Yeah. No such thing Not as things. Not the director's cut, yeah. It wasn't the director's cut. Because I didn't... Well, anyway. That's it. No such thing as things. Mm-hmm. going to incorporate... That's what's going to be my catchphrase from now on. And then Jamie Bell just ceases to exist. All right. What about you? I'm going to learn a lesson from George C. Scott. There's no reason not to shout everything at every... All the time. There's no reason not to. Yeah. So you're just going to do it. Just shout. Yeah. Like, there's no reason not to shout. Like, he's proven... I feel like you could you could do a pretty good George C. Scott impersonation, but you didn't, you didn't do it. I couldn't even think about how to do it. He is so specific. Actually, that is... Bill Hader should look into that, to be yeah. honest. He's such a weird choice for this film. Don't he's you think? perfect. Well, Lee J. Cobb obviously played him in the original. You have to have mm -hmm. somebody that sort of evokes right. that. He doesn't... 
Cobb is likable in the original, but he's not cute. He's not funny. He's not. Sure, is he cute in this? I guess he so kind cute. of is. He's so fucking cute. Yeah, he is cute. He close talks while smelling bad because he hasn't had a shower or bath in Because of a fish. Yeah. It tells me he's got a little bit of a wickedness to him, which I love. Lastly, but not least, you're on an island, man. You've been trapped through all these many years, gathering debris from various films, and now it's time to take something from Exorcist 3. What you bring in? What am I going to bring from this one? You know what I might bring is Patrick e- Ewing in this movie has a set of a gig in the drinks it was a set of gigantic gray angel wings on the back of them like just i mean too big right i mean it looks insane uh, already it looks insane but I, i'd take those wings by the way didn't he play for georgetown maybe, in I college know. i don't know maybe i don't know that might be the tie but yeah. anyway you i mean it's wings? definitely weird cameos in this movie like you have to wonder why they went after certain that's really strange to see ever coop and like larry king and patrick ewing like those are that's those are crazy pulls by Blatty. Are they his buddies? Yeah. His poker buddies or something? Anyway. That's pretty great. That's actually perfect. I'm going gray wings. If I, if I see you walking around your with those gray wings, you're going to look over, you're going to see me, I'm going to have cute little small ones like on mine. Oh, the small wings? Yeah. Well, no, they're called coals. They're called what? They're called coals. I have little gray coals on my back. Coals from what? Well, yours are wings, so mine are going to be little coals. <laughs> Coal houses? <laughs> I get it, finally. So I'm taking the only thing you could take from this movie, obviously. Think, search your heart. You know it to be true. Not the dead, dead boy. Oh, no, no. What? Well, they remember they have him. At, so they describe his horrible death, which is actually kind of racist. Yeah. Know, but they have they show him, remember, in the theatrical, they show I, his... Oh, believe me, it's etched into my mind. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not what I took. Okay. You look through your binoculars, you see I've got like a little hutch. You're like, what is he preparing? You can't see it because it's obscured by my body. Or my wings, maybe. I yeah, can't see true. around them. And then you, you fucking you get super jealous. Always you get it. It catches the glint of the sun in its sheen. You look and there's like this. What is that thing hanging in his hutch? By golly, it's a three-tiered potato basket. What are you talking about? In George C. Scott's house, there is a three-tiered potato basket hanging. You see parts of it twice, and all I could think about was want to eat some potatoes when I saw it. Three tiers. Were there potatoes? Yeah, I, in we, it? You know, you used to have one of those. I'm sure when you were young. Kind of. It's hanging from a hook. Small tier, metal, metal basket, it's a bit larger sure, tier, sure. fruit, vegetables, whatever hangs there, you know? He had potatoes in he his. He had potatoes in his. And you'd take those potatoes as well? Oh, yeah. And, and, and oh, obviously, duh, everything regenerates. So nice. they'll never get the pimples. They'll never get the little nubs, the little creatures on them if you let them Man, sit. I bet Matt Damon wish he had that. For Martian? Mm-hmm. Or for... Good one hunting. Just the one regenerate potatoes because he had to poop them and grow them. I'm, That's I'm, right. It's pretty good. I though. thought you were going to take the centerfold and uh, that what's his face inexplicably had in his office in this hotel in this uh, hospital. You think I need a fucking centerfold to find something to smash? I didn't say that. In this I just, fucking island. Whenever you said you were going to take the only thing, I was like, I thought like you know if it's not going to be a dead body, you're going to take something like that. That was a weird thing to have up in your office. Not for Scott Wilson, the chain smoking weirdy. Yeah, so you're going to take. The potato basket. Okay, I've got to hang. Maybe the cutest thing you've ever taken to your island, or the most harmless. Nothing's harmless. Why? No, no, because it's. I mean, it's, it's. It's. It could be used as a weapon, but no. I, I just. I mean, I love potatoes. I love that old-fashioned basket. I remember when I was living on my own for the first time. I bought one of those right away. You did. Yeah. First apartment, I had one of those bitches hanging. I didn't have potatoes in it. What'd you put in it? Georgie. No, I had oranges. Bananas. You Eventually, know, it would just have mail. Went the way of the buffalo a little bit. They're they're gone. Like no one uses those anymore. I can't imagine. Although I've noticed wickers coming back. Yeah. Yeah. But macrame. Uh, what is macrame? I mean, There's I don't know like much of this early work. From the '70s, I think people used to make like macrame. Like I know the name. I didn't know what it looked like. It's like a. I don't know. It's beaded. It's like a. 
I thought it was. I know, it sounds gross. It's bad. Why? How, how is Wicker coming back? I've seen it everywhere. Yeah, and it's getting expensive. You know, mm-hmm. you go to. I mean, they're gonna make a fifth one. You think? Pretty good. So. Like real good. Excellent. Really. It's about Wicker Park. <laughs> Rose Byrne. Edward Woodward Byrne. Wicker Man. Nice. <laughs>
tell up, up and ride The sun has crept over the hills and killed you ride Because it is all you know And death rides on a pale horse beside you Oh, gunslinger Oh, 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 oh,